Welcome to Tilt Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about pricing for different things you do on the farm, like combining, chisel plowing, fertilizer applications, and dragline manure. And then we're in our spotlight. We're going to look at a farm robot that uses lasers to kill your weeds. Egg History Minute, we'll talk about cranberries in Wisconsin, and we'll wrap things up with cool beans, that's corny, with some current events. With me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hate all the tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. Heading for the truck, and that's when I seen it there. The thirty point buck. Thirty point buck. Thirty point buck. Thirty point buck. Good luck to all the deer hunters this weekend. The opening weekend, Wisconsin gun deer season. First Christmas. Be some of us refer to it. Be safe up there in deer camp, eh? Look out for that thirty point buck. Watch out for headaches. What's the biggest pointer you've ever seen? On the hook, like hunting? Like, yeah, like right 12. 12. Right 12, two weeks ago. <laughs> Bill and I don't deer hunt, so we don't know. No. But one thing I really noticed is that deer cameras have just... Now you know what it's you're like missing. Paral- it's like paralyzed so, all these hunters. Yeah, it's made it way worse, especially for bow hunters, because it's like, well, I, I know this one's out there. I know. And then you, so you're just you waiting for the yes, big one. right. <laughs> like you'd think... The deer cams would have made it way better, so you you know what you're waiting for. But it's almost like it, now you know what you're missing. It helps you motivate to get in the stand sometimes, but other times it's you get uh, paralysis by analysis, trying to decide like, oh, well, the twelve pointer was over on the spruce stand yesterday, but you know, out, out the blue top stand, we saw that nice eight pointer. So you know, you got to go, you know, and you you start doing that, you start playing that game and bargaining with you know the other guys in the camp, oh, who's going to sit where and. What, what's the line of like surveillance and hunting? Like, when is it too much cameras and like it's not even? <laughs> well, I think using a drone, yeah, actively seeking deer, yeah, would be, that, which is illegal, which is illegal. Yeah, which, what? Yep, can't scout deer or waterfall with the drone. Can you shine deer? You can shine deer in Wisconsin, I believe, during certain times of year. But if you get caught with even a knife in your truck shining, you get a ticket. Yeah, you really? can have any kind of weapon, any, even like a shotgun shell. Shotgun shell with no gun. doesn't matter. You really? will get, yep. Because the neighbor boys, they're always up and down our road shining into the oh, farm yeah. fields and like into the woods and stuff. And they see them because I'll be walking the dog at the same time and I can see what they're seeing. But I just, some reason I thought shining deer was illegal. It's legal to uh, shine and shoot. And that's illegal. But just looking... What about baiting? Is baiting illegal? Uh, I don't know it's, if there's any... It's illegal now. Yeah, there's very... I don't know if there's any well, like you could have County by county, maybe? Yeah, different counties have different rules, and then, like, during parts of the season, you were able to, but now I don't think you can. It, like, it changes all the time. It's all CWD-related yeah. at this point. That's what they say anyways. Um, and I don't think there's a county in Wisconsin that's open anymore because they found... Because if, if it's found within 10 miles of the county line, every county around... Oh, sure. It, like so, you know what I mean. They if like they found it in Winnebago County and that shut down Calumet, Autogamy, and Wapaka all at the same time, uh, which some of those are already closed. But anyway, it would have shut down all of them. Um, I think maybe way northern Wisconsin, the DNR does some winter baiting to help them get through the winter. But that's it, and it's not baiting; that's supplemental feeding. I know in the UP they do. Um, yeah, 
you go to railroad grades in the UP, you'll see they'll be lined up on the railroad grades, hundreds of deer, because that's the only place to eat in the UP where there's four feet of snow. Right. Um, but, but if you're yeah. that desperate, you can go to a deer farm. Yeah. So yeah. you guys ever, like, get into, like, territory battles with neighbors? Is that, like, a given every year? I only hunt on my, my own land, so. What if it goes to what the if, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, like, like if it runs. Yeah. yeah. Usually pretty good relations with the neighbors. Yeah. Have good neighbor relations. Max, you have new neighbors now. Or you're the new neighbor at... Yeah, I guess. This, yeah. So how's that going to go, you think? Um, I don't know. It's all right. Some of them are good, some of them are bad, but that's pretty much the way people are. Some of them are good and some of them are bad. So one of the neighbors shot a big buck uh, last week, actually. We had a bunch of pictures of but he I mean, he got it fair and square. So Everybody's pretty respectful that I shot it on my side and it just happened to go on yours? Or? Yeah, as far as we know. He said he never called and asked for permission to go get it, so it must have died on his land. I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't, so he, if you got to track a deer, you got to call everybody else. I would. That? Yeah. I would. I wouldn't just be walking on people's land because that, you know, most guys are okay. You know, you shot a deer and it ran across the line. A lot of guys will just say, "Yeah, come and get it." Um, Look at how much crap we get for soil sampling, not even during deer season. But about being on people's land sometimes. But yeah. if he gets you on camera and you didn't oh, ask, yeah. like I, for us, and he'll see it immediately, Tarita. Yeah, <laughs> for us, just about anybody, just about anybody's <laughs> welcome to come and get a deer off, but. We start seeing people on 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 our land without permission, then then there's some issues, and you start getting a little, little bucky about it. So I think that's in general though. Like, yeah, I know our family's landowners and have woods, and we don't mind if people hunt, but we just want to know to know, and they we want them to ask. And part of it's safety, you know. Right. Um, if they're not, you know, they're just walking around not knowing where everybody is. I mean, you can get two guys sitting pretty dang close together, and yeah, you know, bad things happen. So. Yeah, I've been hunting on public land. It's not my favorite because of that very reason. Like, it's dark when you're going out there, and all of a sudden you realize oh. you're sitting, like, <laughs> hello, two trees away from another guy who didn't, you know, neither one of you heard the other one. and You guys are that stealthy. And then whoever <laughs> sees the other one first gets pissed, and sure. I was here first. And it's like, well, all right. You both were. Yeah. Hunting public land is special. It's an experience that everyone should go through once. I don't think everybody should be on public land their whole life. Everybody should have to hunt public at least once and understand what it's like. So I assume public land, there's you just go, right? There's no, like, do you stake your little tree with your little stand or you just show up day you can put You can put a stand out on public land um, and mark it. Um, you have to put your name and your customer number on there. It's a good way to lose a tree stand, though. Yeah, it's a really good way to lose a tree stand. I would imagine. Um, if you hunt, I mean, around, it's harder around here. There's not a lot of public land. Um, and the pieces that there are around here, they're hunted pretty heavily. Pretty heavy, yeah. uh, you get up north and out west, it's better. We hunted on public land that nobody else. I never saw another boot track in ten years. Wow! Um, but then people heard that we were shooting deer there, and pretty soon there was people around. So it happens. But anyway, well, the pack is back on the attack. They <laughs> shut out the Seahawks this week. Big old goose egg. That was cool. It was. I'm never sad to see Pete Carroll upset. It was a great game for that. Gum chewing. Throwing his hand warmer or cell phone. Yeah, that was was. great. Did you see that, Bill? He tried to throw the 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 review flag, flag, the challenge flag. And and he basically, uh, he he, um, chucked out something. It was in his other pocket, and he emptied the (laughs) the wrong pocket out. It was just, yeah. 
I did not see that. So how bad was Mike Pettin at his job? Because he's it, it, we have the same defense, probably less talent on our defense this year, and they're 10 times the defense they were under Mike Pettin. So how bad? How many times do you remember last year, though, like a touchdown or a completion, and the safeties would just look at each other like, what were you like? What are you doing here? Like, that just isn't happening. Sure, but right? that's coaching, but, right? I mean, that's like how is Kevin King playing as well as he is? He's been like the number one rated quarter in Kevin the last King, three weeks. Regardless of what we say about him on this show, Kevin King is a first round talent. Okay, first round talent is first round talent. He's big. He's fast. He's physical. That doesn't change. So if you put him in any kind of scenario where he can have even the littlest bit of success and just let him be an athlete, it's gonna work. So just, I just wish he had better hands. I wish he had better hands. Did, did he catch that yeah. ball last week? No, no. And the reason I ask is I was at the game and they didn't show a replay, and he was on the other side of us, and I, it totally looked from my angle like he either dropped it, he caught it and threw it, like because he was celebrating, or, and I was like, what the hell are you doing, man? And then they gave the ball to Green Bay. I'm like, well, where did that come from? Because he didn't catch the ball, so apparently he did not. But anyway, to me. He's a first-round draft grade regardless, and first-round draft grades don't always work out, but they're usually not poor athletes, right? right? And he's, I think Joe Barry's done a good job putting him in position right now to just be an athlete and not making him be an actual how, cornerback. How is Joe Barry, <laughs> like, Joe Barry that bad at these other places? Were, they, were, those team, were those organizations just that bad, like the Lions? And <laughs> I think he was with the Redskins for a little yeah. while and just... I mean, it's just amazing what he is doing. I think it helps we are getting consistent pressure on quarterbacks. Yeah. They might not be getting a lot of sacks, but Wilson was pressured pretty much the whole game. And they're staying in their lanes. Yeah. This, this defense seems very like they're coached well that way, that they're not getting out of lanes and they're not Do your guys, job. Yeah. I think the other thing, too, guys, is we've never had, like, not that Campbell's like this great inside linebacker, but... He's, he's really way good. better than what the, we've had in a long time. He's, I don't know how he wasn't supposed to be. He's a journeyman. He's fast though, and he's smart. So know, that he's, he's like, playing better here than he's playing oh, a he's, lot of places. I think is part of it. I was listening to he was on one of them weeknight shows, a uh, Kenny Clark show. He was on whatever, the Kenny Clark show this week, and he he basically said like I've never been in a consistent role. I've always had to do a thousand different things, and now I can just focus on my role and. I guess that's working. This is probably one of the better defenses you ever played. I mean, we it probably wasn't when he came in, but it's turning out to be one of the better yeah. defenses. Because he played for Atlanta, who yeah. have they yeah. ever had much of a defense that you guys, no. I mean, in the last 10 years, no. and played for Arizona? I mean, I just hope the injuries that are stacking up now are... Well, that's weird because we're just not getting these guys back. Like Bakhtiari still yeah, yeah still playing. And Zedarius and... We'll get two weeks to the bye. Yeah, and hopefully after that bye week. I think that's. But we were supposed to have like Bakhtiari back like after week two. I thought at the beginning, you know, it was. Just, they, they said four weeks. I think yeah. initially, and, and, and the even, Packers always weigh on if, the side of. If we were care. struggling, would he be in? Like, if we were having right. a hard time I with that pass protection, too. Yeah. he. I think he would have been forced to play. But we're playing just fine without him. Our pass pro is good. No good reason enough. to rush it. And they had. I mean, two years was it? Two years ago, they drafted those three guys. In the, on the line, yeah, like Royce Runyon Newman and, and Runyon, and I mean, yep. those guys are turning out. So we don't need to. You're right, Max. Don't rush we'll, them back. And we'll see too. This week will be a good test without um, without Aaron Jones at all. Um, I know he play, didn't play much last week, but without him at all, we'll see what the pass pro looks like with the running backs. Just because he was he He's was really good, good in pass protection, like he did a good job. So 
we'll see if we need help a little bit more this week because um, a good running back pass protection can cover up a lot of sins in the offensive line. But All right. Ready to get into this? Yep, I'm ready. All right, so topic this week is pricing out what you do on the farm. So combining chisel plow, fertilizer, manure. So Max, what do you got for us? Yeah, so I think this is a kind of an interesting topic just because we do we see it every year. It seems like, you know, less guys owning equipment and more guys having to um hire some things out. You know, they might own a tractor and a planter, but they don't they don't own a sprayer or a fertilizer spreading system or a combine or what or what have you. So um it's made farming a lot more efficient, but it's also brought up a lot of questions as far as how much we can charge, how much we should charge, and how to kind of watch our margins on some of that stuff. Um, so, you know, those big, the bigger custom operations that that's what they do, I think have a pretty good model and they, they know what they're going to charge and, and that's pretty consistent, but you know, the neighbor helping the neighbor one neighbor owns the chisel plow and the other neighbor neighbor owns the combine. And how do they work that out amongst themselves to get everybody's acres harvested and taken care of? Um, I don't know about you guys, but I get questioned quite a bit on, well, I'm charging this much for combining. you think that's fair? Like I'm supposed to have the, the magic, <laughs> the magic answer. Yeah. Like a magic eight ball. Um, but I, I guess, do you guys get that question or is that, am I alone in that one? No, I get it too. I mean, I got a couple of farms, like you said, Max, that they cut, they hire everything in, but then like what, when it comes to tillage, like if we want to do like deep tillage or something, they don't have a big enough tractor <laughs> right, to, to pull the inline ripper or the subsoiler. So they got to go rent it or get it from a neighbor or have the neighbor do it. Well, then they ask me, well, what? What should we be paying for that? So I think as farms get bigger and maybe a little more specialized, there's less of like a, ma- a smattering. Of, there's less equipment on the farm. Right. Yeah, I think in general, guys just want to, especially if it comes down to having to buy something, they want to know the market value. I mean, we go through it with hay all the time and feed especially, but like, it comes down to manure and some of these other things too. Those numbers just seem easier to come by, I feel like, the the, yeah. the feed oh, yeah. prices. Like, that's just kind of a thing that everybody knows, you know, um, what people are paying. But And like I said before, the, the larger custom operations, that's what they do. They own six combines and they own four choppers and all that stuff. They have a price model and they follow it pretty consistently. But it's these it's these neighbors helping neighbors that where I think the the money can get kind of kind of funky and where nobody really is sure about how this should all work. Well, and recently it seems like the having to fill up the tractors with diesel fuel oh, has yeah. been the bigger bigger cost suck on some of these things with the prices going up. Yeah, and even the price of equipment. Now, you know, guys see their custom rates go up, but think of what the price of equipment's done, the price of fuel, yep. and it's just expensive to own this equipment now. And I think I think one of the things that got that gets forgotten a lot of times when we talk about this is you know gas and wear and tear right or fuel and wear and tear on equipment and that kind of stuff. Guys remember that right? They know they felt it going in the tractor. They know what it's like to make the payment on that tractor. All that. I think what gets left behind or undervalued quite a bit is uh, the time that it takes for someone to be in that tractor. So if I'm chisel applying at the neighbors, I have to make sure that I'm not only making enough to cover the wear and tear and the fuel on the tractor. But I also have to remember, if I'm just applying at the neighbors, I'm not just applying at my place, which means I'm not getting my work done. So I need to make sure that I am getting compensated equally um, to get to do their work and still be getting mine done. So if my chisel applying doesn't happen this year because I had too many custom jobs, 
it needs to make financial sense for me to not, you know, be able to do my tillage. Todd, you've said over the years, you got a couple of clients that do custom work and they always set their stuff to the end. Right. Right. You know, cause they want to, you, you get not to that you kind of have base. to, but the, it almost seems like you, they want you there. So you're always at that other farm, you know, whatever a couple of farms to keep the at. customer happy. Right. You almost got to sacrifice for yourself. Right. So, I've always, I, and it's hard to put a price on that of what are you sacrificing on your own crops and your own yield to do that custom job because sometimes you are doing that and that's where you, you run into problems. So not, not especially it passes early spring and then forward yep. and harvest. Yep. Tillage, I don't think you're going to sacrifice that much in, in certain things, but where... <laughs> And the other part is maybe that neighbor, you pick a neighbor that you think plants too early, you go plant for that neighbor. Right. And then you go to yours, well, that you might actually be doing your own self a favor because you're staying off your ground till right. it's ready. So there, there's times where it could help you, but in general, it seems like you got to plan out things, right? The other part on harvest, I would say, is that's where it helps to have like low lignin alfalfa on your farm. So you do all your custom guys that maybe don't have low lignin do yours last and should still have good quality. Same with BMR corn, or you plant a longer day corn, so you can kind of manage around that. But yeah, I think there is something there that you got to watch that you're not kind of sacrificing your own operation to pay for this equipment to do the custom work, and then all of a sudden you're hurting yourself. And, and we're in this season of picking horn, corn hybrids for next year. Is if you're a custom combiner, maybe one of your high priority features of a corn hybrid is standability. You know, because you're going to leave it out till now because yep. it's the last one. So you're going to combine your own last. So I, w- I wanted to see if you guys could guess or get close on some of these some of these costs and, and kind of how how these all work. I'll say that we're using a, um, a PDF or a chart, I guess is a good way to put it, um, that was put out by uh, Wisconsin Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection, or DATCAP. Um, and this is basically compiled from farmer and harvest uh, custom operation reports so you can report your cost your what you're charging and they take all this into consideration and put these charts out um, based on your region and then the total wisconsin average that's what you're looking for on the way up to deer camp right that cap i that gotta cap. i gotta get that cap for you gotta get deer that, hunting this weekend you gotta get that cap on the dash everybody knows the deer camp thing is put your orange cap on the dash while you're driving so, you can, uh, yep, so everybody you know. sees it yeah so so for me it's orange cap on the dash 30 point buck on the radio mcdonald's breakfast that's nice it. that's the standard that's friday on the way up that's that's the way to go but Sa- saturday night it's bush light uh you know might might find a couple of those <laughs> might find a might go hunting for a couple of those too so max you're talking about the custom rate guide right yep yep the, so the, for people who want to search it out just just uh google wisconsin custom rate guide you'll find it yep and you can go straight to DATCAP and get this it's also linked on the uw extension uh website too um that's where actually i found it through um was the uw extension website but anyway so we'll start off our first first one i'm gonna have you guys guess at is we're gonna go we're gonna go the wisconsin average not our region average the wisconsin average um corn harvest so this is combine grain cart and then hauling all together. Oh, well, I mean, I don't see very many. There's, I'd say, I see more guys that need the full the full gamut than guys who just need a combine at this point. It seems like so. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you guys the full the full gamut here, and that's this is gonna be cost per acre. What was the three? 
combine, combine grain green. cart hauling to local and farm. hauling. Yeah, hauling's really. I mean, it's by okay. Acre, let's start really like cheap. combines. Usually about thirty bucks. Thirty to forty. Yeah, uh, thirty to forty bucks an acre. Um, it seems like that that one can be now. People, if you got a chopping head, that might be an add-on cost or or some of that. But so yeah, we'll start there. Green cart. Man, I don't. Need I don't know one. what you pay for a green cart. It's for a, the tractor, the guy, and the green cart. Yep. I mean, you got to be in that twenty to probably 20 yeah. For the that. 20, I was to say twenty-five. Right. So you're at fifty to sixty bucks yeah. somewhere in there. And then hauling to the farm. I mean, where are you hauling it to? Local. Just local grain. It says haul local. Local grain elevator. So I would say that's within twenty miles usually. Is it twenty cents a bushel? No, it wouldn't be that. No, because no. when shooting, I can't remember. Five cents a bushel. Five. It's no. probably even cheaper than that. No, because yeah. usually you figure. I want to say, and I'm just bringing up one of my figures I use on the farm to kind of help. And I want to say it's only like a penny a bushel or so. Yep. Use. Penny a bushel. Penny. That's the number that I was. Yeah. Given and that's a local, so I mean that one. So is, are we talking about a semi now? So this is like yeah. you're riding the semi. Yep. So yep. you're doing a semi loads worth of. Well, it says hauling, and I am going to assume if they did the combine grain cart hauling that they're going to. It's either a green truck or a yeah, semi. We'll call yeah. it a semi. So what's yeah, your guess? Your total per acre. Ninety three dollars. Uh, I was going to say eighty five. Hundred and seven. Uh, Forty one dollars and fifty six cents. <laughs> An acre. Yeah. For all three? Combining's yeah. like combining's like seventy right? percent of that. The median in ours is thirty three fifty nine. Thirty three dollars and fifty nine cents. So we are way off on so, the green so cart. So for the green cart and hauling, it's only another seven dollars. I'm not gonna say it's free, but when I was talking, you know, I got a couple guys who work with custom operations and when it came down to it, you're basically paying for the combine and everything else is free. Um the fuel maybe, but that's it. Um we were way the, off. The combine is the money. Maybe the combine they don't want to look money. to us for <laughs> no. Apparently, yeah. The, I didn't all well, the freebies of the green curtain hauling. So uh, I'll give you guys a chance at redemption here. We'll go chisel plowing, which I think is one of the biggest questions we get because this is one that really gets hard to to I guess calculate is the way I would put it. So um, chisel plowing cost dollars per acre. Uh, Wisconsin average. There's 86 reports of this. 18. I was going to say, it's usually 15 to 20 somewhere for, for tillage. It depends on what kind of tillage you're doing. So I was going to say, yeah, 17, 50 to 18. Somewhere this is the there. whole state? Yep. State average. Are we doing prices right rules or we can't go over? You can go. Oh, you guys all went over on the last one. Because what so. did Bill guess? 18. He said 18. What's your guess? I'll man? go 1750. All right, I'll go 1801. 1801. <laughs> And Todd, Todd wins. <laughs> it's eighteen sixty one. So you guys were yeah. right on yeah, there, pretty close to twenty there. bucks. And looking at, um, they got they got a whole bunch of different tillage tools in here, um, and it is all basically from fifteen to twenty. The only one that really goes over is the uh, moldboard plow is twenty three. So moldboard plow is expensive. I got two more here. Um, the fertilizer um, broadcasting per acre. Um, I thought this was. This one we got we should be pretty close on because we do hear these numbers from the co-op quite a bit. And this one, like, like from what I've had experience over the years, like changes so much. Like you could be at four bucks, you could be at eight bucks, and it's the same people spreading it. Is this like VRT or? So just... we're doing bulk dry broadcast. I'm not going to include VRT in this. I do not believe five fifty. I'm going to go eight. I'm going to go. Yeah, usually it's like Bill said, a six. 
Todd again, Ooh. 619. So that one we know. That one we're around yeah. quite a bit. Yep. Um, and then we got one more here, and this is dragline manure pumping, and this is going to be price per thousand gallons. It's expensive. Oh, because you expensive. So you should drag li- You said drag lining. Yeah. So we'll do. Um, See, I just used to use like a penny a gallon, and it's we'll up, do drag line. I say three cents probably. It's up to two, two to three cents yeah. somewhere. Yeah. We'll do, we'll do drag line pumping and spreading surface, not that injection. Injection is pretty close to the same price, but so two thousand pennies, be two hundred bucks per thousand gallons. No. If it's 25. two, no twenty five bucks. Or, yeah, you're you're decimal. I'm off. decimal off. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I'd say... Only three zeros, not four. I'll, I'll guess for you, Matt, so you can try to... Because it's easy to guess at the end. I'll go 15 bucks. So what did you say, Bill? 25. So I'll go in the middle at 20. Uh, it's 941, Wisconsin oh. average. for oh. That's dragline pumping and... It's got to be clo- you know, close to the farm, all that. Sure. That's yeah. where it really gets started. You know, you go four miles away, it's way different and, than and this a is, mile. It's, right, and this... You know, you know what I will say? I'll put a plug in here that's a report le- this stuff guys like this helps everybody out to yeah. report this there's only 11 reports of of cost oh, for spreading sure. you know um and i agree those 11 reports if they're all guys that are spreading within you know a 40 acre section of their pit that's you said nine dollars nine dollars and 41 cents that's under a cent a gallon yeah what's interesting that's, but that's probably not agitating yeah that's you know true. like that's true the boat costs a lot of yeah, money now that's true well now is it low reports but what i find interesting is Drag line and injection is cheaper than surface spreading. Yeah, that was interesting to me as well because there's more wear and tear on machinery if you're injecting, right? I mean, you're putting an implement in the ground. Right, you're going to use more fuel. You're going to, yeah, interesting. So, um, and and actually what's really funny is if you look at the chart, um, two of the three regions in Wisconsin don't even have sufficient data. It's all from region three, which is our region so we have a lot of manure which does make sense because when you look at the way the regions are split well look at the region it's like out of gamey wapaka columbia dane and east it's like we're all most of the cows are well sheboygan yep. i realize marshfield has a lot of cows i was say marathon county's right. got quite a few cows but it's um but then you go to bayfield washburn counties and there's um i don't know if they know what a cow looks like up there you know so they know what a deer looks like they do know what a deer looks like. But anyway, so this is interesting. I guess um, something to, you know, I guess check yourself against. And this is kind of the, the state average. Um, and like I said before, I think, uh, I don't know if there's reporting services on here. Um, but I'm sure we there's a way to find it if you go to that CAPS website of how you can report. And I think the more guys reporting, um, the more guys reporting, the more accurate this can be. It does say at the bottom of the report, your, impo- in, your input is important to us. If you have comments or suggestions regarding this report, please call. And it gives a number or where to write. Yeah, I would say definitely yeah, report your, your costs because yeah, some of these have a lot. There's in the hundreds of reports, and some of them have single digits, like four, seven. What's the, uh, on the rate guide there, what's the most innocuous item on there? Like, oh, didn't even know that existed. Uh, well, like, anhydrous like, around here. <laughs> like corn picking? Do they have a picking price? I don't know. They have custom crops hauling and trucking, and they charge different based on the... They have a shredding cost versus for combine under custom harvesting. 
Sorry. Shredding and baling for corn stalks. Pole type chopper and tractor. There you go. Self-propelled chopper. Silo filling upright. Silo filling trencher bunker. Simp. Yeah, I didn't put the corn silage uh, harvest numbers on here just because there's so many. Uh, you can get real in well, the Well, those weeds. are hard because it's dollars per hour a lot of times, and it's different. <laughs> there's a bulldozer cost. There you, you go. There. That one's kind of not one you'd be looking for a lot. Tedding. It's my favorite. Yeah. Tedding. Got to have the tetter costs in there. That's be- there's it's a lot of tedding going. Come back. Yeah. yeah. These alternative forages. That's yeah. the, that's yeah. what's doing it, man. The, ted- the tedder and the alternative forages. One thing I would say that's not on here that I want, if if you do custom work for you to think about is sort of add-ons is maybe you charge, you know, for planting, what are most guys at planting, 20, 25, 18 to 25? Sure. Um, I got to get to where it is on here. But if you're doing, you know, if you got, you're doing no-till and you got row cleaners and you got two-by-two two and pop-up and... Right is for all those add-ons is maybe you start at the real low rate of the rate guide, but then, you know, it's a buck an acre, you know, to for two by two, and it's a, another buck an acre for... Planting corn with fertilizer average is twenty ninety five. Yeah. So so say you start at 20 bucks, but then all your add-on things get could get you maybe to 24. Pick. You know, there's a reason <laughs> then you're at that yeah. price. It's not just sort of... It's an extra 60 cents for fertilizer because corn without fertilizer is twenty thirty five. That seems low, you know, like, does, yeah. you know, like that, that, like I said, I would say a buck different you could do and the farmer that's getting it then, you know, would, would be okay with that. So, whereas soybeans with fertilizer is 2113 and soybeans without fertilizer is 1986. So that's a bigger disparity there. That's, I'm just going to speaking all out here. Would you say generally, if you're putting fertilizer on with the planter with soybeans, you're putting on dry versus liquid, I would say. In my experience, you're putting on dry, and that's probably why it costs more because it's more mm-hmm. messing around. That's that's a lot of messing around. You, you can get the pollens out there, and you can get get the nutrient you want a little bit easier, but it's a lot of messing around. All right, so there you go. That's your guide to rates. You can check out the DATCAP rate guide. Not that it's necessarily going to be exactly what your custom harvester might charge you, but it should give you get you in the neighborhood anyway. So now let's move into our spotlight for today. So this week we've got a self-driving robot that uses lasers to kill 100,000 weeds an hour, saving land and farmers from toxic, finger quotes, herbicides. So it's an interesting-looking machine, it basically looks like a, reminds me of a generator, like a big generator on a farm like a riding coal, on four wheels. Kohler generator on wheels. Yeah, which would make sense because the power requirement, I imagine, is pretty significant for killing weeds with lasers. A little futuristic tech there. Uh, so it goes down, looks like straddles two, maybe three rows with its... But it, I mean, it's automatic or it's robotic and seems to be automatic. So you just go back and forth. So yeah, interesting concept. You'll notice that all of the sharks have laser beams <laughs> attached to their heads. I figure every creature deserves a warm meal. <clears throat> Doctor Evil, it's about the sharks. 
When you were frozen, they were put on the endangered species list. We tried to get some, but it would have taken months to clear up the red tape. You know, I have one simple request, and that is to have sharks with frickin' laser beams attached to their heads. Now, evidently, my cycloptic colleague informs me that that can't be done. Mini me, stop pumping the laser. Is that what's next? Just put like deer with lasers on their heads to shoot. Why the would we want that? <laughs> yeah, we don't want they the would laser, you back. <laughs> laser you back. I want them defenseless, Todd. <laughs> no, it was interesting, and the, I think the really interesting part was we read this same article. You can read it on eighteen different websites, written by different people, and the different because this is a big deal. I mean, this kind of. I mean, this is the article included in our this, our, yeah. our doc is Forbes. And this one is is targeting more of the soil health aspect, so not using chemical in order to improve soil health and therefore nutrient quality in in food, and that's kind of the the way they're pulling at this. So the different perspectives were different. Put it that, different is a really good way to describe it. But yeah, so there you go. Maybe someday you'll be able to hire a self driving laser weed killer. Now we'll move into our Ag History Minute for today. I love that banjo. So we are talking cranberries in Wisconsin. Wisconsin is the nation's leading cranberry producer. Nice, I like the cranberries. Yeah, I'll give it some background music. The soulful stylings of the cranberries. Missing you. Such a fool for you. Got to linger, Todd. All right. As the cranberries linger in the background, harvesting, uh, we harvest more than 60% of the country's cranberry crop here in Wisconsin, Little Red Berry. Wisconsin's official state fruit is the state's number one fruit crop, both in size and economic value. Cranberry, once called the craneberry, by settlers because its blossoms resemble the sandhill crane it was first harvested in boo. Wisconsin around 1860. Yeah, boo, boo. boo sandhill cranes, not cranberries. Uh, by Edward Sackett in Berlin, Wisconsin. Today, more than 250 growers produce cranberries throughout central and northern Wisconsin. Cranberries are grown on 21,000 acres across 20 counties in Wisconsin. The sand and peat marshes in central and northern Wisconsin create perfect growing conditions for cranberries. During the early 1890s, the center of Wisconsin cranberry industry shifted to the Cranmore area, just west of Wisconsin Rapids. Later developments occurred in Black River Falls, Warrens, and Toma areas, followed by cranberry farms in northern Wisconsin, primarily around Manitowish Waters, Eagle River, Spooner, and Hayward. And next week, we'll all have an opportunity to enjoy some cranberries, whether in the form of a... Which form do you like better? Jellied, can-shaped I like. I do like the jelly. I the like jelly cans. The, the jelly can. Yeah, yep. I like the jelly Max, can. Jelly can. I like the jelly can, but maybe the best way is cranberry fluff from Festival Foods. Ooh, the cranberry fluff is pretty good. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, it's whipped cream and cranberries. And that's all it is. <laughs> My one grandma was always the jellied can. The other one would actually get cranberries, like the actual berries, and make make the like cranberry sauce. Mm. And I mean, they're both good, but I do prefer the jelly. Anything that comes out of the can and still has the shape of, of the, the can. can. Right, it perfectly and you, like, holds serve that it shape. That way, like. And when you 
when you get it out of the can, it, yes, it it stays. It's like the, the rules, ribs, yeah. The, the goal is to yeah, make sure it doesn't you know crack separate. or separate, or you want it that whole can look on the yes. serving plate. You got to poke a hole in the bottom. That's the ticket to let the air out, yep. so it doesn't suck. You got to break the suction of the can. The, yeah, you, you, you open sure. the can at the top, and then you go to the bottom and you poke a little hole. Sure, in the it's bottom like when you're shotgun in a beer, you got to <laughs> pop the top. Yes, Todd, it is very much like that. Or if you shake it a little bit, you hear that. <laughs> Is the air like you know? The yeah, oil, it, the suction ends and yeah. it just starts sliding out. So Max, you had some good times in the Cranmore area. Yep, I went through the Cranmore area quite often at a very high rate of speed. And let me tell you, there is where you think there's no cops in the Cranmore area. There are cops. So they sneak up out of those cranberry bogs with their radar gun and they get you. The Rosendale. So, of I was going to say Rosendale's <laughs> Rosendale number two. Yep. Yep. You literally, I don't know how many times in my head I went, man, I can't believe there's no cops out here. This is crazy. And then, <laughs> oh, they're there right behind me. Never mind. Yeah. All right. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast and tell a farmer friend. That's all we ask. So he might ask you, well, what is a podcast? And you say, it's like radio on your phone. Just download a podcast addict, Podbean or Player FM on your Android phone or on Apple Podcasts. You can search Tilt Talk Radio. So on your iPhone, Go to Apple Podcasts and search Tilth Talk Radio. You can also listen on your computer or smartphone browser. Go to tilthegg.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. All right. Let's wrap things up with some current events with Cool Beans That's Corny. So, Cool Beans? Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Our Cool Beans this week. Biofuel groups are pushing for strong ethanol mandate, citing climate and gas prices. So amid reports that EPA might scale back the ethanol mandate, Biofuel Group said on Tuesday there's no U.S. path to net zero greenhouse gas emissions or lower prices at the fuel pump without homegrown ethanol. In testimony before Congress and a letter letter to the White House, the trade group called for strong targets and speedy restoration of year-round sales of E15, a higher-than-traditional blend of ethanol and gasoline. Got to get that corn put into fuel. So renewable fuels like ethanol remain the single most affordable and abundant source of low-carbon motor fuel on the planet and are critical to meeting carbon reduction goals today, according to Emily Score of the Trade Group Growth Energy. The more avenues to sell crops, the better, right? Yeah. Well, I think the technology has only gotten better. You know, some of the early ethanol-running engines had, had more issues, but now it seems like I think people forget, ones. too, how important distillers' grain and some of the byproducts are yeah. to feeding cows and right. are still used. So, um, yeah, it's... And if you can't roll with the E85 because your vehicle, you still can go to the old Quick Trip and get that E88. E15. Well, yeah. You know, yep. It's got a little in it, right? 15. Why do they call it E88? Because like, it's 88 octane, octane, but yeah, it's getting... Yeah. Maybe it isn't E88. No, I, I just call it E88. Okay. It's cheaper, too. All right, and our That's Corny for this week. Drug and feed ingredient shortages hit U.S. livestock producers. So, like many things, we're running out of or finding shortages in different areas of our economy. So, Michigan dairy farmer Doug Chapin has been unable to buy bottles of veterinary penicillin for his cows for more than a month. In Minnesota, pig farmer Randy Sprunk Reformulated feed rations due to a shortage of widely used ingredient lysine, an amino acid that helps livestock grow 
and also kills dinosaurs in Jurassic Park if you don't give it to him. <laughs> if you remember the lysine contingency. I don't remember that, but that's it. Because lysine this week I've heard about a bunch of times because um, soybean meal is really shooting up in price. Sure. And it's because of this lysine, lysine. shortage. So, yeah, unfortunately, shortages of medication and raw materials for feed production are part of this whole logjam and bottleneck that we've seen in the supply chain. And we've talked about, seems like ad nauseum, but <clears throat> still still hanging around, always seems to find something new with relation to that. So hopefully those things will get worked out in the short term rather than the long term. All right, that'll do it for today, guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us, Matt. So today we talked about how to price your custom applications and your custom harvesting. In our spotlight, we looked at a laser-wielding robot for killing weeds. A history minute, we talked about the history of cranberries in Wisconsin. And our cool beans was biofuel groups pushing for strong ethanol mandate. That's corny was continued shortages this time in drug and feed ingredients so thanks for listening and as always happy farming